Dr. Katrina Fury, a psychiatrist. And I'm Portia Pendleton, a licensed clinical social worker. And And this this is Analyze Scripts, a podcast where two shrinks analyze the depiction of mental health in movies and TV shows. Our hope is that you learn some legit info about mental Mm -hmm. health while feeling like you're chatting with your girlfriends. There is so much misinformation out there and it drives us nuts. And if someday we pay off our student loans or land a sponsorship, like with a lay flat airline or a major beauty brand, even better. So sit back, relax, grab some popcorn and your DSM-5 and enjoy. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the first episode of Analyze Scripts. Today, we are going to dive into season one of the show on Netflix called You. Season four is coming out next month, and we thought that this would be a great show to get started with because there is so much rich content and great character development. Yeah. So um, just a reminder, if you have not listened to our intro episode, my name is Portia. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. I'm sitting down with Katrina, who is a psychiatrist. So we are going to use our knowledge base to kind of discuss what writers get wrong and right, what we think of characters, what mm-hmm. makes us feel icky, what makes us mm-hmm. feel good, mm-hmm. and just kind of talk about um, season one here. And as a reminder, this is not meant to be any sort of personal mental health advice. Um, we are not, you know, talking about real people, diagnosing real people. If you have any concerns, please seek out your own individual help. This is purely for entertainment um, and about fictional characters. So let's get started. Sure. So I feel like I cannot talk about this show without talking about Gossip Girl. Yes. <laughs> and my my initial kind of turn off to the show, which I was telling Katrina a couple weeks or months ago, because um, she was shocked that I had not watched it. Oh, I'm it, so shocked. Was I couldn't get over the fact that I was watching... Dan. Um, Dan Humphrey <laughs> kill someone. And I was just like, no, I, I don't I don't subscribe to that. So anyway, but I, then, I got over it. <laughs> but then like we were 
what if you are? Like, what if? Right. What if you are? And Dan, like, what if Joe is an alias for Dan? I know. Right? Because he was kind of stocky, but be it the one pie gossip girl to end. They do go together. It's it's kind of strange, and I'm, I'm sure many people who watch you are familiar with Gossip I'm Girl sure. and Humphrey. I'm so, sure. Um, what was kind of cool is so we're talking about this. Portia had never seen the show, which again I'm totally shocked. Um, and I had watched it back in you know whenever it came out, and I loved it. And when we first got the idea to do the podcast, I decided to rewatch it. You know, force me, force me to rewatch this awesome show. Um, but even. Even so, you know, watching it back, sort of already knowing what comes in the future, it was still fascinating. I still loved it. Um, and it's just such a rich show. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, we are we are trying to really not take anything that we now know um, from season two and three mm-hmm. um, to season one. But I think having like knowing what you knew and then rewatching the first season, I think is now fascinating. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, so, so first impression of Joe, what are your thoughts? I get a little creeped out right away when, you know, the bell chimes in the bookstore, Beck walks in and he sort of like turns the wind in his hair and he's like, hello, you. Mm -hmm. You're just kind of like, should I get creeped out or is that romantic? And I think that's like, that would be Joe's like uh, online dating profile blurb, you know, am I romantic or a creep? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Right. It's giving like... I know that he, it, like, tortured writer, yeah. um, so, like, very emotional, very deep. deep, thoughtful. Yes. Um, yeah. It just, it, it all comes together so well with, like, this the the scenes, like, the, the bookstore and just his, how he looks and, and his voice and then mm-hmm. the cut-ins of his, like, subcon- you know, inner, mm-hmm. inner self-talk. Um, yeah, I, I got immediately, like, bad vibes from and, him. Yeah, and I think, like how quickly he falls for Beck. Like, I really think it's like that quick. Mm-hmm. Like if I could snap, well, maybe yep. I just did. It's that quick. Um, and I think that speaks to how quickly some people could develop what we call in, in the field, erotomanic delusions, um, where you really get fixated on another person um, and develop this whole love story in your head without the other person's voluntary participation or even knowledge sometimes. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think we see that play out pretty quickly by the beginning to right. the end of episode one. Right. Especially with like the beliefs of, you know, she's doing these things for me. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, she's leaving this trail of breadcrumbs for him specifically. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, no curtains, which is, Oh my gosh. What a sign for Beck having poor boundaries right off the bat. Who lives in like a first floor apartment in New York city with such beautiful big windows, by the way. But with no curtains? Mm-hmm. Like, in your bedroom, I mean. In your yikes. bedroom. I mean, even if you're, like, waiting for them to come in from Amazon, you tape up a towel or, mm-hmm. or something, right. right? Like, and she's just, like, changing mm-hmm. and walking around. And, you know, I think even that so quickly gives insight into Beck and right. her poor uh, personal boundaries that we'll get into a little later. Right. Right. Yeah. So, so Joe, so... You meet him in the bookstore. He kind of comes in right away. You're going to hear his inner thoughts. Um, I know. What where is, do you start? What is their first interaction like? Oh right? He's God. just watching her. He's just watching her. Right. Yes. Like a creep. But at first, you're like, okay, he's watching a customer. Yeah, she's pretty. 
doesn't she come to ask him about a book? Like she's looking for that book. Yep. And he was kind of impressed that it mm-hmm. wasn't the Da Vinci Code. Right. Or something more like, you know, what he would think was like lowbrow or, mm-hmm. you know, not deep. Right. And uh, yeah, I think so quickly on, you start to see how he's interpreting her actions. Right. Um, as being like signs of wanting to start a relationship or, or, you know, that she's interested in him and she's really on the surface, not giving off those vibes. Right. So he starts following her and I think they have, you know, that big uh aha moment where there's a connection made when he puts himself in the position to save her. And then, you know, she, (laughs) he's her savior now and, you know, she's drunk and he helps her home, which, you know, he already knows where she lives and Mm -hmm. that starts with the phone, you know, he's able to get it and then, you know, he keeps it. Right. Right. And, uh, oh my gosh, you're right. That was all in the very first episode. That's wild. Um, yeah. And so the fact that he already started stalking her, following her around, shows up to that um, poetry reading, right? Isn't that where she got really drunk and upset that Benji didn't come? Yes. Um, and then, yeah, he somehow is at the right place at the right time, saves her in this like heroic romantic way he probably mm-hmm. thinks of it that way yep um and she's too drunk to ask any questions about like why you're here right <laughs> right and that becomes a theme throughout the show with like i think the biggest um comment that or, or people that are like really is when you know he knows how big her bed is yes and, she, or, and, and, and of course i mean new york city typically you can't have a king unless you are you know very very well off and mm-hmm, have a whole floor mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so you know yes he saved himself but even so he it, total self slip up on his part right right that fact and i think in in a show like this the writers do a really good job of portraying some of beck's initial gut feelings about red flags like huh how do you know how big my apartment is? You know, she asked that right away. And I think that speaks to that, that gut reaction that people have when they're feeling in danger. And he being, you know, the psychopath that he is can come up with a real quick, uh, funny remark to disarm her. Um, it kind of makes sense. And she again, feels safe. Mm -hmm. Um, but hopefully as we, you know, keep going on something we can impress upon our listeners is to trust those gut feelings. You know, your body's sending you those signals for a reason. Right. And there's a lot of times throughout the show where you see Beck kind of having one and then going against it and, mm-hmm. and finding herself in a, in a uh, prickly situation. Right. Pushing him away. And then, you know, he through, you know, part of his behavior, which is stalking, you know, will kind of worm himself back and right. her over. Right, right. Because um, I think without the stalking, you know, he wouldn't have shown up for her when she was with her dad and mm-hmm. um, stepmother and that family. You know, that would have just been her experiencing that. Then exactly. not having Joe align her, himself with her and, you know, sort of offer initially the poor advice that she had a reaction to. Um, but, yeah, so I think where another kind of character interweaves themselves is Peach oh, through, yeah. through their journey. And you meet her pretty early on. And, mm-hmm. and I think everyone's like, woohoo, Shay Mitchell. Love her. She's beautiful. You know, like I was excited to see her on my screen again. Yep, Pretty Little Liars shout out. And it's kind of like that came after Gossip Girl, right? Yes. Like they weren't yep. on at the same time. But it's kind of like a similar yes. demographic mm-hmm. maybe or kind of like vibe of a show. So right. it was kind of cool to see both of them in these prominent roles um, that are different, but, you know, just fun to say hello to them again. 
Right. So Beck is kind of surrounded by interesting people. So I know that we wanted to spend a little <laughs> bit of time talking about Benji. I mm-hmm. mean, he's kind of, we don't, you know, see him carry through, but it's our first experience seeing Joe be violent. And Yeah, we don't um, see him carry through because right. he's murdered right, right away. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, um, so Benji, thoughts? Oh my gosh. I, again, one thing I love about this show is the writers, like how did they write not just good, you know, central characters, main characters, but such good supporting Mm -hmm. characters, like all the way from Benji to Peach to Paco to Paco's mom to Karen to Ethan, his, you know, colleague at the bookstore who says some of the funniest lines, I think. Um, So Benji, I felt like was just such a perfect depiction of white privilege. Mm -hmm. Like it's just like, chef's kiss right great de- de- depiction um you know he's like creating this artisanal soda brand you know he's clearly a, a very wealthy kid mm-hmm. comes from a rich family um and the way you can see how um you know beck is kind of attracted to maybe that side of him more than who he really is and also i think she gets pulled into the chase mm-hmm. and constantly being ignored you know it's just it is really there's a clear parallel with her relationship with her dad which we don't know right away you Mm -hmm. learn later um finances you know mm -hmm. peach benji they're both very very wealthy um Mm -hmm. beck is not right in financial distress her dad that's like the only tie to him anymore is that he helps her out financially and just you know we we see this at least i see it a lot in in my work with people is you know when you have Um, a strained relationship with an early caregiver, whether it's a parent or someone else, oftentimes you unconsciously uh, replicate that in your adult relationships as this uh, way to try to repair and and master it, if you will, sort of. If she could capture Benji's full attention and commitment, that would be like a a win for her Mm -hmm. unconscious where she couldn't do that with her dad. Right. And then just some of the lines he says, my goodness, like when he's in the cage, he's the first one we see in the cage. Um, and Joe's like trying to feed him, I guess. Yes. And he's like, I need gluten free. I have all these allergies. Um, and one of them we find true. out is very, very significant. So, you know, no, no, um, you know, not no judgment towards severe allergies, but it just, you know, you're you're in a cage. Like, I, I just think it's so funny to have so many severe allergies. Gluten free bread, right? You know, unless sure you're sure. celiac, that's very um, significant. But it it almost speaks to his like. I don't. I Specialness? wouldn't say delusion, but like you're in a cage, right? You're, exactly. You're, you are kidnapped right. by a person who you have no idea what they're capable of, and you're. You're, you're coming from the angle of, well, I, I have this food preference or, or again, maybe not. And preference. it's not just it's not just one. And I think, that, again, right. the writers do such a good job of writing him in a way. And, and the actor does such a good job portraying Correct. him where the way he's like telling you about all these allergies, you just don't believe it. Like he's full mm-hmm. of shit. And I think that is Benji, too. Right. Like right. you're full of shit. We all know it, yeah. you know, so you don't believe all of them. But then that is how he dies, right? Like, right. Uh, what does uh, Joe do? He puts like peanuts or some yeah, peanut, peanut oil, oil in, in the coffee. coffee. Yes. Um, and then you're like, oh, well, did Joe like know? Is did he know what he was doing? And then you're like, yeah, well, who puts peanut right. oil in coffee? Right. Um, and yeah, I don't know. We we meet Benji so briefly, right. 
But he's so fascinating. And it seems like, you know, this is Joe's first time, right? So he, like, doesn't know what to do with the body. You know, mm-hmm. he has... He, he vomits. Like, it's, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't know someone maybe who wouldn't if they have never encountered a rotting, you know, Corpse. flesh. Yeah. Um, so he doesn't know what to do. He's, like, you know, trying to figure out what to do with it, how to dispose of it. So I think, again, we that's our first, oh, like, he's... Never done this right, before. Right, right. You know, he just... It's a crime of passion. Right. It's, you know, just lost his cool, you know. And I think... Um, for a lot of this, you kind of see these characters and the less savory parts of their personality mm-hmm. and can see how we all kind of have a little bit of some of these things in us. But most of us don't lock someone right. in a cage and kill them with, with right. peanut oil to win the affection of a girl right. we just met. Right. And that does, you know, show up with... Um Rotomania, mm-hmm, right? So, mm-hmm. like, people are often in danger um, who are kind of the side characters of the person who's, um, you know, the obsession is about because mm-hmm. you can't get in way in the way of, you know, Joe and Beck, which we right. see later with Peach. But, um, you know, it seems like everything seems to happen to those around Beck, which is, you know, like both sides of the coin. All these people around her are like this way. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. But also, you know, Joe mm-hmm. is impacting a lot of them. So also in episode two, we see Joe kind of again save the day for Beck with she's being, um, I think, like threatened by her professor. She's going to lose her housing. Yeah, because she that's won't, right. Um, you know provide him sexual favors Mm -hmm. and then joe comes in and you know finds out this other stuff about him with these other women and then threatens him and you know then beck's okay and you Mm -hmm. know he he fixes it for her without her knowing Mm -hmm. exactly um and yeah exactly i think what like what you were just saying portia a lot of these characters have similar personality traits that beck finds herself attracted to Mm -hmm. or relating to and they're just at like different ends of the spectrum or sort of like right. different degrees of narcissism, um, sociopathy, psychopathy. Um, so it is a really interesting portrayal of all of that for sure. Mm-hmm. Something that I did initially, I, I was just kind of like, oh, uh, with Joe was um, when him and Beck first have sex oh, and he yes. prematurely ejaculates. And it's like very clearly. <laughs> embarrassing for the both of them beck then goes on and tells her friends and Mm -hmm. like again joe has her access to all of her text messaging and sees like which of course for you know that it can be a medical condition it can be for any of these reasons you know distress anxiety all it can happen for many reasons but because it's joe um you know just with his mental health availability like wow like you said so so emasculating and also just again the writers so classic for um the type of person who could develop these traits of socio sociopathy or psychopathy right like you hear about um it just starts starts your wheels turning about mm-hmm. you know what's his background like is does this always happen right, right. um is he going to be able to redeem himself will he right. get another chance with her but when that happened i was like of course right of course this is what happens right. like it just tracks mm-hmm. with um you know someone who feels so emasculated right for whatever the reason would go on to perhaps be more prone to develop delusions like this Mm -hmm. or relate to women in this kind of way, um, which is, you know, controlling and uh, violating and um, 
dangerous right. without her even knowing it at this point. It just it just tracks. Right. And even then, there's another chance for Beck to be like, eh, he's not for me. Right. You know, these sort of red flags. Mm-hmm. Again, not saying that's always a red flag. Like you said, Portia, there can be a lot of reasons why that happens. Um, but yeah, that that is a good point to bring up. Yeah. It, it could just set the scene for like, I don't know. I was like... Is this gonna is is it gonna happen again? Like, is this his? Is this a part of his? Um, I guess self, right? Yeah. Like, but you know, we find out that it's not. It's not. We find out that he, yeah, he's able to perform down right. the road. Right. Um. So back to Peach. We kind of glossed over right. her. Did you have anything else you wanted? So to initially, say about I'm like, you know, Team Peach. Like you yeah. are picking up on all Joe's, of it. Like weird behavior, but then of course, it's mm-hmm. like you know maybe don't love the word, but crazy sees crazy. You know, I think it's like you, you, if you have some traits of your own, you might be better at picking it up in other in people. Other people. Um, yeah. So she immediately kind of finds him to be sketchy, finds him to be um, maybe performative, like mm-hmm. fake, um, mm-hmm. too good to be true mm-hmm. or just, you know, odd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Her feelers are like immediately up. Yep. And later on we find out that she herself right. Is Which obsessed was with Beck to me, yeah. at least. I think it was to me. Too. I can't remember. Like I remembered that rewatching mm-hmm. it, but it, it was a twist. Yeah. Like at first, she comes across as the overprotective friend. Yep. The needy friend. Sure. Uh, they're in a codependent relationship yep. of their own. Um, but later on, you discover, oh, she's obsessed with Beck right. and taking all these pictures too. Right. So what makes her all that different from Joe? Right. Um, right. And. She could, she just like called his number really early on Mm -hmm. with like, oh, this book is missing. Right. And, and things like that. Peach was giving me, um, you know, I think it's, it's hard because you don't have all the information to be really, um, like firm on something, but she was definitely giving me borderline traits. Definitely. um, With the manipulation of Beck, even with the literary agent, her kind of Mm -hmm. setting her up to then fail. Fail. And then the, um, the suicide gesture. gesture, Right. um, Definitely, she has borderline traits. And hearing just a little bit about her background, um, again, you could see how someone might develop those traits in an environment like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, yeah, I thought they did a really good job depicting that, where right. um, she's also really charming, right, and right. fun to be around, yep. and will you know help her friends. Um, but yeah, they did a great job with that, right. It was interesting when Peach, uh, quote unquote, overdosed. It's still unclear, but I, I sort of lean with Joe here that uh, right. yeah. was more of what we call a suicidal gesture, which can still be dangerous, right? Because yes. sometimes you go too far. You take too much of your medication. You still overdose. Other times it is more of um, attention seeking or a cry for help. Right. Um, but again, he kind of called her number back or called her bluff and, and saw her where she was like keeping track of everything. Right. Um, and, and realized that wasn't enough to kill her. Again, how does he know? Unclear. Right. Uh, and that's when the naloxone came into mm-hmm. place. So um, just a little education about naloxone, because it is such a life-saving medication. It's something out there that comes as a nasal spray, that if anyone overdoses on opiates, um, anything like painkillers, heroin, um, 
certain types of anesthetic agents, things like that. Um, you puff it in their nose, kind of like you would use something like Flonase, and it will restore their breathing in about two or three minutes. So it should kick in really quick. Um, a lot of addiction psychiatrists just carry this around with them in case they have a patient show up who overdoses. I think uh, police and, and EMS personnel and, and other people like that are starting to also have it on board because of the opiate crisis. Um, and it's life-saving. So if, if you're ever in a situation like that, uh, or you have someone in your life struggling with an opiate use disorder, that would be a great thing to just have on your person. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times when people go to treatment for opiate use disorder, they are prescribed that at discharge because the relapse, relapse rates are quite high um, just to have to be able to, uh, you know, revive them. So if you ever find yourself in that situation, you know, give them the medicine right away, then call 911, give it to them before you start doing CPR. Um, it should kick in within two or three minutes. If it doesn't give them more puffs, um, and then it only works for about 30 to 90 minutes. So even if they start breathing again, they do need to be, uh, you know, sent to hospital for further treatment. Right. No, that's good. I mean, I think, Again, the writers, you know, sprinkle in throughout the show, like really just really accurate characters and, 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 um, knowledge, like behaviors of characters. Right. And even like the medical knowledge, you know, with like Joe sort of taking his time to find the naloxone, like that could be Mm -hmm. long enough for her to die if, if it really had been, um, an overdose like that. But yeah, I just, I would love to talk to these writers uh, and just see like, how would you do such a good job depicting these personality traits and depicting, you know, erotomanic, erotomanic delusions and stalking and, and the backgrounds and just how did you do it? Right. It's great. They must, they must have some, you know, mental health, either themselves backgrounds. We know mental health professionals can be excellent writers, um, Mm -hmm. but also, you know, I'm sure they have, people in production and, you know, on the team who come in, um, yeah. just like with all the medical shows right. as well. And so if you ever want to, you know, add us to your, uh, your list, uh, give us a shout out, uh, writers, you know, we're happy to chime in. <laughs> that, that would be great. That'd be super cool. So we see, um, kind of Joe and Peach go at it head to head twice. So, or, or for me, I actually three times. So one of them is his kind of very slow, um, getting the the medication for her but the Mm -hmm. other time is when he tries to kill her at the park you know when he's running and hits her on the head he see he seems shocked kind of initially which then looking back i'm I'm like but you hit her with a rock you know like but now you're surprised or oh oh you know oh is she dead and i think to his horror she is not dead and then peach you know at the same time so interestingly is then able to manipulate beck Mm -hmm. really to be at her beck and call um beck and no 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 (laughs) so um you know that's when beck um is kind of with her all the time Mm -hmm. the the idea of a stalker comes up again um they go to the connecticut house um you know Peach wants her to go to Italy with her or France or Paris or something. Yeah. Um, And, and, you know, be there for months and you just see, you know, Peach kind of really dig the claws in and, and try to pull, pull back away, which then, you know, heightens Joe, like Mm -hmm. Joe has to act. He's very fearful that he's going to be left. Mm -hmm. It's going to lose her. Right. 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 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And um, speaking of stalking, Portia, I think you had looked up some some stuff about stalking. Did you have anything you wanted to add? Yeah, so, so stalking is terrifying. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think people have um, talked about stalking as one of the scariest things that a person can go through. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really just hits on... I, I feel like all of your receptors of fight or flight, like oh, feeling yeah. like someone is um, constantly watching you, showing up where you are, know things about you, where could they be? I mean, that's like primal fear. That's um, terrifying. You're constantly um, terrified. And and I think, you know, may, maybe not surprisingly, but um, typically more men stalk women. However, that does not mean that women do not stalk men or women mm-hmm. do not stalk women. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we're, you know, we'll talk a little bit about this um, in episode two and we go over season two, but it's really hard to get police involvement mm-hmm. in stalking um, just because I think there's so much gray area, even though where there like maybe shouldn't be, but right. you, know, you can be in a public place. Like There's how no can quote you, unquote proof. Right. How can you say that, you know, you didn't just run into this person right. there? So um, over and over and over right. and over. Um, but I think what's unfortunate is that many times stalking does lead to physical harm, mm-hmm. um, sexual assault, um, and, you know, just end kind of in violence, um, mm-hmm. because there isn't able to be like an earlier intervention. Right, right, exactly. So, you know, I think that's when we encourage um, users to trust your gut. And, and I yes. mean, we, we are notorious for just feeling off about someone mm-hmm. or, or getting, you know, a weird vibe. And I think it's really important to to trust that um, and not try to explain it away. Talk or, yourself out of it. Right. Right. I think especially as women, um, just in our society and culture, you know, the way women are raised to be, you know, quiet and polite and nice and, and things like that. Even, even when you're, you encounter something like this, someone is making you uncomfortable. It's, it can be hard to say anything to right. get them to leave you alone or just to leave because as women were just conditioned to, you know, not, not want to cause a scene or ruffle any feathers or things like that. And then when you do go to finally seek out some help, um, you're often met with not a lot of support, a lot, you know, invalidation, which again, we'll talk about more in our next episode. Right. So, I mean, I think many people have experienced at least one um, unwanted contact, right? So it's getting unwanted phone calls, texts, um, anything that you don't want, which I mean, right. I think every, everyone has experienced getting um, gifts sent to you, photos, um, people tracking you, mm-hmm. you know, with uh, um, Life 360 or mm-hmm. or apps on um, cars, Find my phones, phone. Right? Yeah. 
Right. So there's a lot of, uh, unfortunately, you know, technology works in both ways, both the pro mm-hmm. and the con for, for helping and assisting and tracking people, but also, you know, that can be turned around and be dangerous. Exactly. And that's like Joe in a nutshell, right? right. Like all, so many of his personality traits or desire to be loved or, or, you know, acts of love, if you want to call it that at first could be seen one way, but then it just right. flips and goes too far. Right. Um, Right. So, so, you know, I definitely want to get to, um, I, I think we meet Paco before we meet mm, Dr. Nikki. So yeah. Paco and his mom and then mom's boyfriend are kind of sprinkled out throughout the season. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's really a sad and common tale, you know, so mom seems to have substance use issues. Mm-hmm. She's with, um, she's dating a person who has, um, I would say, like, access to law enforcement. I think he's a probation or a parole yeah, officer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, t- typically it's like, oh, you know, they're they're going to be on his side. That, that right. would be maybe the fear of the mom. And um, there's, there's domestic violence occurring. And Paco, um, you know, the little boy neighbor is really always trying to avoid it when he mm-hmm. reads. And I think mm-hmm. that's how Joe initially connects with him and maybe, maybe sees himself in him. Um, you know, he... It's it's hard to tell where Joe is coming from. Yeah, I wanted right? to hear your take on on that relationship between Joe and Paco. It feel it it felt now I guess with all the knowledge I have, which I'm trying to not use, only focus on season one. But it it feels like he sees himself in Paco. I don't know if Joe maybe has the awareness of that, but I feel like um, he wants to save him. Um, I, I was shocked, I guess I would say, that he did not intervene earlier throughout the whole mm-hmm. show. I, I was like, oh, if you're kill- if we're killing these people, right. why aren't you killing, you know, mom's boyfriend? And I, and I get, you know, it doesn't fit his code or it's not in line with his, you know, obsessions with Beck, which, you know, makes sense. But, you know, he just sees this little boy suffering um, who he gives books to and, you know, invites him in and and it really seems to 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 care i don't that's yeah but like you said if he cared right so that's why i think mm. i have a different take i think again writers like chef's kiss a plus job i think on the surface and at the beginning it seems like he cares and you're like oh is he capable of empathy or really caring about another person he's trying to help this kid I think actually mm. he's getting one over on Ron, the abuser. Okay. And maybe even on yeah. the mom by, you know, maintaining this relationship with this kid in a way that they don't want, especially Ron. Um, that was more right, of so my maybe it's take. More about Ron than Paco. And like power yeah. and, you know, using Paco to feel like a good guy. But you're not actually doing anything to be right. a good guy. He's not calling the police and reporting these episodes of domestic violence, which would actually potentially help the little boy, you know, if you have multiple reports and things like that. Right. He's not actually doing anything to actually help the little boy. It's more using Paco for his own, like, narcissistic fuel in a way um, to, like, feel like a good mm-hmm. guy. Um, and then I think this whole notion of power comes up a sure. lot in Joe's relationships because it really isn't until Beck. So, you know, we know that they take a break. Joe dates Karen, who we'll talk about oh. briefly. But so when Joe kind of is back again with Beck, she comments on Paco. And mm-hmm. I think she kind of pushes 
Joe. It's like do more. Right, to do more. And it's like, you know, so that then feels like that's where he made finally like an action. Um, to kind assist. of. But even then he like has Paco involved, yeah. you know, like I'm remembering this scene out in the garden or something. Right. It's not protecting him. Not at all. Yeah. It's like he's like an accomplice or something. And it's again, is what's the motive there? And I don't even think Joe knows. I don't think Joe has enough insight right. to really understand his own mind here, but it definitely seems more like to me, like another type of abuse. Like how confused is this little kid mm -hmm. now? Right. Right. I don't know. It's, it's really interesting. And I was fascinated at the very end, you know, after Ron's gone and out of the picture and you see like in the end when Paco hugs Joe that he does, I think feel really mm -hmm. grateful for all of that. Um, and so is that why he didn't let Beck out when she did escape at the very right. end and could have gotten out? He just shuts the door. Right. I was like, oh, And no. also, you know, I'm thinking how, of course, you know, how is this going to affect Paco? Exactly. Right? Like you had, and, and I think because if it had just ended with him, unfortunately, being kind of an accomplice in Ron's death, I think that you can like um, process that hopefully through therapy as not you, you know, separate from yourself, do the work. But I feel like then, you know, later on, we know that there's a book about Bex, but like we know, you know, everyone knows that she dies and, you know, is murdered, you know, people believe by Dr. Nikki. Um, but that Paco like knows that he was a part of it, right? Whatever exactly. you know actually happened. Whoever you know, me, he doesn't know. He did. He did not witness the act, so he you know is that's unclear for him. But he, but she says like that. Joe's here. He's going to kill me, right? You know, and right. he shuts the door. And that right. to me was again such a good scene and so interesting because does he do it out of gratitude for Joe? Like Joe helped me, so I can't go against him. Is he scared of Joe? Right? Does he like are his feelers up and he's like afraid, well, if I help her, will Joe come after me? It's it's really unclear. Mm -hmm. And he is so young. And then he does hug Joe at the end as if he's grateful. Maybe he feels like he has to, mm -hmm. so Joe won't come after them. Right. Um, but yeah, I think it really has probably screwed up Paco. Yeah. It's really hard, confusing for him to, mm -hmm. you know, start to trust someone who then kills someone. Right. You know, or has him help in front of him and then wants him to cover it up. And that's just a really confusing message yeah. to send a kid. Right. right. So that was a fascinating dynamic. And again, it's, it's interesting to see that like really the only sort of healthy, but not healthy really relationship Joe has in this series was with Paco, who is someone more vulnerable, younger, influential, right. who idealizes him. I think there's there's something to that that we don't fully get yet, mm -hmm. but I think we'll find rep, re, repeats in right. future seasons and gives you a better idea into Joe's psyche. Mm -hmm. So Paco could benefit from some therapy. Oh my gosh, 100%. Um, you know, definitely, hopefully with maybe mom, when mom's in a good place, mm -hmm. you know, um, that to get them to connect and him feel secure with her. I think right. that would be huge down the line. Mm -hmm. Um because we don't really see anyone else besides potentially Karen, and we don't know mm. really anything about her, um, who appears to be a little bit more secure. Um, she, right. you know, has, I guess, just basically on the surface. Right. Um, and she was his mom's sister, right? I think she was just a friend. Oh, just a friend. Yeah. Okay. 
So we'll talk about Karen real quick because I want to get into Dr. Nikki yes, a yep. lot. But um, I loved that Karen watched sitcoms. Like, again, I thought just like such good, like, of course she watches King of Queens and mm-hmm. laughs about it. And it's just so like normal seeming. Right. <laughs> and of course, Joe is initially attracted and then gets bored. Yep. Which just makes total sense. Right. Because she's secure. She's in mm-hmm. it. She is real. She's, she's authentic. Um, it's, you know, easy for him to figure out. She's immediately monogamous, we right. appears to be. So I think she's trustworthy. Right. right. And so, of course, uh, that doesn't do it for him. That doesn't light his flame. Right. And as soon as Beck comes back, he's quick to discard her and go back to right. the relationship he had, which was less secure. Right. You know, for a lot of reasons. (laughs) And on, you know, the other hand with Beck, like, you know, I think breakups are complicated. And when it's new, you know, you still have feelings that she apparently had for Joe. But, you know, I think just it, again, demonstrates her uh, own attachment issues, Mm -hmm. her own maturity around communication and relationships Mm -hmm. with her, you know, kind of seeking Joe out and then participate, like, you know, being the other woman. Yes, exactly. Um, and then, can you know, being two-faced about it. And right. I think feeling like she won. And then I, when Karen comes to kind of confront her and then shares, ultimately, like, I, I'm lucky I got out. Like, watch out, in, mm. you know, her own words. Beck is kind of like not thrown by that because it's like oh well you know she's just being a spiteful right. ex or something right. right and i don't think karen men like watch i was gonna kill you but like watch i was gonna do this to you right you know exactly um but i think you're exactly right um um i think you're exactly right that uh it's just a fascinating dynamic to watch play out and you hear um joe talk about Karen, even though he is pretending to be gay with Dr. Nikki, right? <laughs> so he talks about being in this like comfortable relationship that's secure. You know, his ex is back that, you know, he's referring to through that. Is so, Ronaldo. I remember um, Beck yes, has like, a, like a more exotic name. And yes. then the other one was like John or like, right. I thought that was an interesting mm-hmm. detail too. So start us off on Dr. Nikki. Oh my God. Well, first of all, like, is there a more handsome person in the world than John Stamos, even with all that hair? Yeah. Like the sweater. Ugh. I mean, it just, it I don't was, even care, he, you know, yeah. but he's, I was like <laughs> really glad to see him back, you know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, so Dr. Nikki, oh my gosh, I just think, okay. So let's talk about, I guess the, the good parts of portrayal of him as a sure. therapist. I don't know how many there are. I think before it was clear <laughs> that he was having sexual relations with Beck, some of the stuff that he was talking about her with, I think was helpful. Like, I know that there was some, or I think this was with Joe, but there was some metaphor about being the mouse yes, in, in the, the house. house or something. Right. And that felt, you know, good. Or, yeah. And I think he was really helping her kind of make her own decisions. But then I feel like out of left field, you kind of get smacked in the face. It's like, Oh, but it was all apparently so manipulative and therapists, you know, that role, you're in a position Mm, of power. mm -hmm. You, you are guiding people's emotions and needs and and to be so, you know, that's one of the things I would say worst things a therapist could do. Oh yeah. So I think such a violation turns the whole Nikki doctor. Right. Exactly. A hundred percent. Also, 
What is it with Hollywood portraying therapists or mental health professionals as having like so many sharp things in their office? Mm -hmm. Like that little table next to where Joe sat had like all these gold little jars and things with like sticks in it, letter Mm -hmm. opener, like a glass table. Like there's just all this sharp stuff around. And I think anyone who's actually in this field would know you don't keep sharp stuff around. Right. Especially not (laughs) – Next to where your, you know, patient sits. Right. It's not in a desk. Right. No way. It's yeah. right. Exactly. And then come to like that, that caught my eye like right away. And I'm always just like, oh, not again. Hollywood doing mm-hmm. this again. And then again, I thought the writers were so smart later on. Joe has one of those things in his hand as he's going to maybe right. hurt Dr. Nikki. He ends right. up not doing that at that point. But I thought that was interesting. Right. Um but yeah, I think that that did demonstrate, you know, such a uh, boundary crossing, uh, boundary violation in therapy that you just do not cross. Right. Um, sometimes therapy can be, I mean, oftentimes it's very intimate. Um, you know, you're, the hope is that you feel comfortable enough to share um, your, your intimate thoughts with your therapist. And sometimes for some patients, some, you know, doctor patient or therapist patient relationships that can stir up feelings of love and affection, Mm -hmm. um, some sexual desires, things like that. But with a good therapist, you talk about that in a safe boundary way, focus on the patient. You don't sort of pick up those vibes and feed into it in a manipulative way, which is what Dr. Nikki was Mm -hmm. doing. And then Dr. Nikki like answers the phone or leaves her voicemail with an earshot of Joe. <laughs> Remember? Yes. And you're like, any good therapist, you're not taking personal calls right. like that with your patient like right, right there. And, and like, you know, I think accidents happen, right? Like right. no one's things perfect. happen and but of course it's like that that shouldn't be the norm or then there's a repair or then there's a conversation about oh i heard you talking about something in your personal life mm-hmm. it made me feel this you know right and then being able to kind of hold the space still and make the patient feel safe again and mm-hmm. connected so i think you know initially i thought that joe was t- like being paranoid i mm-hmm. it, me too was shocked then when dr nikki and beck were i know involved right yeah right i was too i was shocked too um and like with the whole fox emoji, like yes. Emma Fox, um, like I totally believed that. And I think that's why she broke up with him, right? Mm-hmm. Because he was getting paranoid about that. And again, she should have just left it. Right. Break up with him and leave. But then Beck kind of wants what she can't have. Right. Um, she wants to go back and starts remembering all the good things about mm-hmm. him. And and turns out she was right, or he was right that they were having an affair. Right. Um yeah, I don't know. It's just it's just fascinating. Yeah. So I don't know if you can believe it, Portia, but we're already at forty three minutes. Wow. I know. So what did we? <laughs> what do you want to kind of wrap up with? Wrap so, up with. Um. So so something that we wanted to mention before talking about season two is that we you start to get snippets of um, Candace. Yes. Who's this? Like you know, is she real? Is she not? X right. Throughout the show. Um. And that I think everything, you know, of course, comes together in the last two episodes where there's a lot of violence and um, twists and turns. And 
you know, we come to find out that yes, she is real, but I think she's an interesting like add on because you mm-hmm. start to see a little bit of Joe's background or you right. start to see that, oh, like maybe Ethan or, um, not Ethan, Benji, like, isn't his first kill. Like, right. it's just, right. it's very interesting. And Beck being, you know, par- quote unquote, paranoid of, well, what, you know, who is Candace? Is she mm-hmm. real? And mm-hmm. we all, you know, are, are kind of left with thinking that right. she's dead. Right, right, exactly. And I think, again, in this first season, you're really craving to know more about Joe's background. And how did, how did he come to turn into a person like this. And I think as humans and maybe especially, but maybe not especially mental health professionals, I'm always curious about how do people end up the way they are? And I think you, we certainly learn more about that in the upcoming seasons. Mm -hmm. Um, But the way they sprinkle in Candace throughout the episode and even the way um, when he's at that party, that fancy party with Beck and some random person is like, Oh, Joe, isn't that weird how Candace just disappeared? And then it's almost like Beck becomes Joe and right. kind of starts to cyberstalk yep. him. So it, it brings up the question of like, where's the line? You know, we're, we're, we've all probably Googled people mm-hmm. a little more than, I don't know, you'd think right. or, you know, but like, how does that sort of continue to proceed to murder? Exactly. Um, the one thing I wanted to mention was like, I think my favorite scene of the whole series is at the end of episode eight, when Joe is like rushing to Beck, he's like broken up with Karen, he wants to be with Beck. Um, and they're playing this music. And it's like a, a really like good, like 80s movie, you know, he's like throwing mm-hmm. the rocks breaks her window. It's so kind of funny, because he loves her so much. And they kiss and, and you just it, it totally stirred up this feeling and be like, Oh, he he like put the murder aside. He's such a good guy. Right. Like he really loves her. Like you're really rooting They're for them. They're gonna end up together. They're gonna end mm-hmm. up together. They're gonna have a happy ending. Like he only killed like one person. Mm. You know? Yeah. But I think again that <laughs> that the way they can right. depict it is almost like a parallel to how Beck, I think, relates to him, right? You can right. forgive these like red flags because of all the good. Right. I also think that's such a good depiction of like any relationship with intimate partner violence, mm-hmm. just, you know, going through the cycle. And I'm sure we'll talk more about that right. as, as we go on. So with um, kind of just like ending with all you know about Joe um, come season one, what I think that's something that made it feel a little bit more um, purposeful was like then him writing the book, right? From because he like... So his f- so he didn't write it. Okay. Beck's book. That would have been like really sick. It was Beck's friend that uh Blythe. Yes. You yeah. know, Blythe, the you know, the fancy yeah. fun. Um, she found Beck's journals oh, and yeah. felt compelled to publish it. I don't think he would have wanted that book out if he had been the one to publish it. Oh shit. Uh just like add on to the, you know, sociopathy. But But he did something that framed Dr. Dr. Nikki. Nikki. Right. Yeah. So that, that's what I feel like. Oh, was yeah. just like you, like you are thoughtful and, um, intentional and, and you're, you know, you're the puzzle master. You're putting all these pieces together, which, which gave me his mental health, like a different flair. Oh yeah. So what were you thinking before that versus after that? Uh, more just like codependency or, um, 
even at times I, I was like a little bit more borderline-y just because I was like, mm-hmm. there's gotta be, there's gotta be trauma here, sure. but it just, it feels really narcissistic. Yes. Um, it feels really cold because mm-hmm. it seems, you know, like you were saying with Paco, not really even warm with him. It's mm-hmm. just like he develops this obsession with this one person, you know, screw everyone else. No. And then his feelings are in, he feels them, so they are real, but like they're not even really real. For, mm-hmm. like, they're, they're, just they're not based in reality, Correct. right? They're, and he, like again, so he kills Beck. Then he still has to get one over on Doctor Nikki and frame him, right? To get revenge right. for them having the affair, right? So right. I think is that what you're speaking yeah, to? He's is not, you know, he, he didn't stop with that, he's right? Distraught forever, like you know, he doesn't. Um, do anything to harm himself, you know, right. from the shame and the right. guilt. Like it's, it's just like, oh, he moves on. Right. He can justify right. it. He doesn't have remorse. There's no regret, right. really. And I think like you're speaking to his character development over season one, like at the beginning with Benji, like he throws up. He's like thinking right. about it, kind of. They The writers leave enough kernels, mm-hmm. enough little sprinkle where you're wondering, like, was this just a one-time thing? Like he just snapped? Or not. And I think by the end we come to find it's the or not. I think he definitely, like you said, shows a lot of narcissistic traits. Um, He's definitely a psychopath. uh, And, and, you know, by really crossing that line Mm -hmm. and and getting it over on people. Right. Yeah. So, well, I mean, I think we're we're anxious to talk about season two. Mm -hmm. There's so much more. You know, if you have not watched season two yet, there's so much more background that you get on Joe, which is really helpful in just like his development and Mm -hmm. and why the way he is, um, why he does the things he does. So stay tuned. We'll um, be getting episode two for you, season two out shortly. Next time. Yeah. And thank you so much for listening, mom. Yes. And um, (laughs) we'll see you again. And if you could rate, review and subscribe, that would be great. You can find our podcast. Um, hopefully anywhere you can listen to podcasts. We're still trying to figure out how do you upload the podcast, but clearly if you've listened to this, we've figured that out. Correct. And please feel free to like us on Instagram at Analyze Scripts. Um, and you can also email us at Analyze Scripts Podcast at gmail.com. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. 
Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast and its contents are a copyright of Analyzed Scripts, all rights reserved. Any redistribution or reproduction of part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited. Unless you want to share it with your friends and rate, review, and subscribe. That's fine. All stories and characters discussed are fictional in nature. No identification with actual persons, living or deceased, places, buildings, or products is intended or should be inferred. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. The podcast and its contents do not constitute professional, mental health, or medical advice. Listeners might consider consulting a mental health provider if they need assistance with any mental health problems or concerns. As always, please call 911 or go directly to your nearest emergency room for any psychiatric emergencies. Thanks for listening and see you next time.